This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into the Take Command podcast. I am Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson, and we have a phenomenal, I dare say, Hall of Fame level guest today. Uh, London <laughs> Fletcher is going to join us a little bit later in the show. Of course, London just named one of the semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, we actually just got done taping that interview. Uh, we had a little technology snafu in the middle of it, admittedly. Uh, so Logan, Logan there, might magically real disappear. Quick. I had I had a technology issue. I, I still don't know. What I was trying to be a team player. I'm I'm the quarterback at the podium after being like, "Hey, this is our fault." <laughs> yeah, it was your. It was clearly your internet's fault. But we can save that for the team meeting. <laughs> behind closed doors. Nobody needs to know about that. Right, uh, but, right. but but Logan Logan's internet did have a bit of a whoopsie, and thus uh, he, he will disappear in the middle of that interview. If you're watching on YouTube, it's going to go from a three-shot to a two-shot, just <laughs> magically. There's going to be a, an editing point where Logan just whoosh, goodbye. Uh, but that's okay. London was great, uh, and we still have a full game preview for you, uh, Commanders and Falcons, coming up this weekend. So with that, Logan, let's dive right in. Uh, Atlanta has one of the most – I don't know. I felt weird saying this when I, when I brought this up to London as well, but like they have one of the most unique offenses in the NFL, except for they actually don't because it's similar in some ways to what this team does. It's similar to what Chicago does in some ways. Like. All of a sudden, running the football is in vogue again. Running quarterbacks are having a huge impact. New York with Daniel Jones, et cetera. Um, like, so, you know, Philadelphia with, with Jalen. Like, how unique is what Atlanta does, especially compared to what some of Washington has already seen this year, and what challenges do they present with Mariota, et cetera? So that's the thing, man. Like, everyone's kind of making these comparisons. Oh, Justin Fields, Mary, uh, you know, uh, Hurts. Daniel Jones, all these different teams that are using running quarterbacks. And when you flip on the tape to watch uh, the Atlanta Falcons, they don't actually run the quarterback that much. I know the last game against the Bears, I think he had 12 carries, but usually he's kind of in the range between five and seven carries. It's not like a huge part of their offense. And then you go back and you say, okay, well, how many actual touches does he get in a game? You're looking at like 76 for the season, right? Which compared to Justin Fields is like, Justin Fields is like 140, 150, something like that. So they, this team has the most designed touches in the run game for running backs in the NFL. They are a team that actually calls runs more than any other team in the NFL. So everyone says, oh, well, the, the Chicago Bears have a higher running percentage. Well, that, that, that doesn't account for scrambles, right, which are called pass plays that become runs, right? right. So in terms of teams, a team that says we know who we are so acutely we know what the strength of this team is so acutely. We are going to run the ball at you with outside zone, 
some gap scheme with like kind of duo concepts, but we are an outside zone football team and we are excellent in the front. Like this is maybe, I don't want to get over Like I don't want to get hyperbolic here, but probably the best run blocking front this team has faced all year. So like, you know, everyone says Philadelphia's offensive line is better and it is better, but they do more stuff. They pass protect, they run the RPO, they do a whole bunch of different stuff. And that group elevates, elevates that game plan. This is just a bunch of kind of nasty hog mollies, right? That are going to like get after <laughs> you. And they've got a whole bunch of blocking tight ends. They've got an excellent fullback and they've got three running backs who are built like fire hydrants and do not mess around when they run the wall. Obviously, uh, Cordell Patterson is the exception to that because he's like this tall, angular guy, but he weighs 325, 330 pounds, and he runs a 4'3", right? He's a big dude. Hold on. You said 330. You mean no, 200. Yeah, 200, 225. That would pounds. be something. That you would be something about a special hydrant. to see. That's, that's, a, that's like a dumpster coming at you. Yeah, but then you got Algiers, who is, again, like he's like 5'11", but like 230, so <laughs> <laughs> and very explosive. And then they've got the other guy, the backup, who's 5'10", 225. So they're all kind of this outside of Patterson, like this kind of bulky downhill back that's excellent for the outside zone. Their offensive line is a whole bunch of former first-round draft picks, which is not what you think of when you think of Atlanta. But they've got Chris Lindstrom at right guard. They've got Caleb McGarry at right guard. Their left guard, who was a first-round draft pick last year, is hurt at the moment. But may or may not return for this game. And then, obviously, Jake uh, Jake Matthews, who's probably a top 10 left tackle in the NFL. So think about that investment in terms of that group. And they are playing that way. So when I say this is going to be a very daunting challenge for the um, commander's front, like I'm not being – I'm not exaggerating. This is going to be very unique in terms of what they do. Their, their tight ends are – their two blocking tight ends almost have more snaps than Kyle Pitts just to give you some contents of who they want to be and what they want to do. Their fullback plays a ton, and he is nasty. So it's it's just a di- like it's like they said, we're going to swing this. This is like the Stanford of the NFL. You know when Stanford was like, we're just going to run power and everyone's going to the spread offense? This is what they're yeah, doing. They're like, like, we have a fullback every snap. Yeah, we're going to swing formation. This, We're going to swing this back hard the other way. And then, obviously, Marcus Mariota does run the football. But in terms of designed run, it's nothing – it's nothing crazy. It's pretty much like I'm running a zone read and we're going to bring a fullback or a tight end back and he's going to be the lead blocker. It's not like this crazy Philadelphia thing where it's like we've got routes, we've got pullers, we've got all this stuff going on. It's it's like, no, dude. You know, like I had a special teams coach named Ben Kotwika and his favorite expression was no fair dodging. And I didn't really understand what it meant. Craig, do you know what it means? Do you get what it means? No, I covered so, Kotwika for a couple of years and I'd never heard that phrase and now I'm upset. So the thing, I think what he was saying is like, you ever been in like a game and you're playing a really, with a really big kid and he goes to like get after you and then you move out of the way and he says, no fair dodging. Like, because like, I, like, I want to use my skill set. Like that's what this team is. They are a no fair dodging team. They want this in a phone booth. They want to be nasty. They want to bloody your nose. And quite frankly, they average 4.9 yards a carry. And they, you know what I mean? Like they, everyone in the world knows what they want to do. Like, it was so crazy watching the Carolina game, the second Carolina game this year, because they literally had, so they had a, Atlanta had a six-man blocking surface, so five offensive linemen and a tight end. Carolina had eight people in the box, which you don't see in today's NFL. Like, they couldn't have found more ways to get people in the box. They had two, you know what I mean? It was just, I was just like, what is happening? And that's how they played the whole game, and that's how they won the game. So in terms of things that need to be done in this game, more than any other game they played this year, it stopped the freaking run. Like, they have to be able to do that.
Well, right, because if you stop the run, they're not going to pass, but only so many times. So if you stop the run, you stopped their offense. Here's the the positive sign for Washington is they're great at stopping the run. In fact, they can make an argument that since week three, they've been the best team in the league stopping the run. Uh, They lead the NFL in yards per game in general since uh, week three. They also lead the NFL still. I mentioned this stat a bunch last week, but they lead the NFL in yards before contact. Uh, They're like running backs on average are only getting uh, about a six or 0.6 yards uh, past the line of scrimmage before there is contact. Deron Payne and John Allen are one and two respectively in the NFL in defensive tackles, tackles for loss, 14 for Allen, 14. They played 11 games. He's having more than one tackle for loss per game, and Deron Payne is also averaging one per game at 11. Like, they are so good, or have been so good. So when you start to look at the actual schematics of it, though, and how Washington has stopped the run versus how Atlanta wants to run it, concern, feel good about it, somewhere in the middle. So, yeah, I so if they just came out and played the played tenant played Atlanta the way they played Tennessee, right? Because it's essentially the same offense. There's a little bit more zone read with Atlanta, but Arthur Smith was the coordinator there right? in Tennessee. They've kept that same approach, outside zone first, outside zone second, and then run your play action pass off of it, right? Atlanta is very similar to that, like so similar. They run the ball more, obviously, but the philosophy is the same. And in the Tennessee game, I went back and watched – Jack seemed very comfortable playing light boxes. So versus a six-man blocking service, you play six defenders. So there's no one for the back. You're asking a safety to come from a coverage position and make the tackle, which we've talked about before. That worked fine because if you think about it, they have a rookie right tackle. They had a backup left tackle. Their right guard was injured. And obviously, John and Payne just kind of said, you know, we're going to be a dominant force here and wreck this game. Atlanta is a little different to me, right? And what I will say is their edge players are much, much better. Their left tackle, I mentioned Jake Matthews, is probably, I don't know, one of the best in the NFL. I'd say definitely top 10, you know, if we're being safe and if we're being kind of, you know, very positive towards Jake, he's probably like six or seven, which is pretty good, right? That's just even yeah. It just means he's playing at a really high level at all times. Correct. And then Caleb McGarry is a guy that I thought was going to be out of the league. And then in this new run first system, he's really found his home. Right, so he's six seven. I think when I played with him in Atlanta, he was three hundred and forty five pounds and can move pretty good for a man of that size. He embraces the physical violence of football, and obviously running outside zone with those types of edge players is different than running it with Tennessee. Right, and so what I mean by that is yeah. By the way, Gary listed now at three oh six, so he's right. he's shed some weight, become more mobile, and and that's probably so, also helped his career. I think he's listed at three oh six, but I think he's one of those guys that's like his college <laughs> weight. You know what I mean? That they just kept on yeah. the sheet. But he anyway, <laughs> okay. large, large human, yeah. violent man. Right, and so one of the things that sticks out to me is when he has to set an edge. When it when like so outside zone is predicated on stretching the defense horizontally, right? And if you have good tackles, you can really do that nicely, right? Because you can widen those edges. And Montez Sweat's maybe the best edge setter in the NFL, but these dudes and and and, and Atlanta, they understand it's important to stretch it, right? So what they do, which is a little bit unique, is they take their guards, like Chris Lindstrom, who's very, very fast and athletic, kind of your classic outside zone guard. The tackle will butt up the end, and then the guard will come and just smoke the hip which will launch that edge player out and create a huge cavernous void. That is really challenging because they're asking their center to reach a defensive tackle, which is very, very hard. But because they're creating so much horizontal width in the defense, it doesn't really matter. So if I'm Jack, I look at that and I say, well, let's negate that thing that they do really well. 
let's put John Ridgeway directly over that center, and let's put Payne and Allen over the guards so the guards cannot help on the perimeter. They can't get out there. Because if they can't get out there, I, t- I you know, McGarry's a big man, but he's got really short arms. Jake is very good, but he's got really short arms also. You know what Montez Sweat does not have is short arms, right? James <laughs> right. Williams does not have short arms. And those guys with long arms can really set a violent edge. And if you can set a violent edge, you can box these runs and negate the thing that they do really well. So I would expect on first and second down to see a lot of Big John Ridgeway at, at nose, which bumps those two guys to three techniques and negates this ability to kind of widen the edge with the guard. And then I expect Cam Curl to be in the box because – Unlike Tennessee, where Tannehill, I think, is a top 15 maybe quarterback in the NFL and can kind of kill you throwing the football, Mariota is not that. Mariota is probably, I'd say, between 30 and 25 in terms of ranking, and that's being very generous towards him. Like, you do not have to fear him the same way. Also, removing Kyle Pitts from the lineup, he was their kind of number one target the last five weeks. Obviously, Drake London's a very good football player and will get a lot of those targets, but they, they lose kind of this dynamic thing in their offense. So they're going to be, become even more restricted from a pass game standpoint. Well, and he also would have probably gotten Cam Curl's attention uh, as, as so. a coverage yeah. guy. So from a man-to-man standpoint in those situations, you probably feel better leaving, whether it's McCain, Forrest, uh, you know, whoever, on yeah. That backup tight end versus like no, we need to get Cam Curl and letting Cam Curl roam and do Cam Curl things. So right. you know, there, there's a little bit less intensity on that matchup. Obviously, sure. they'll still play predominantly zone, I'm guessing. But you know, we'll we'll see. Obviously, how they they match it up. Um, anything else scare you about this offense? Like, is there a big playoff play action that they've hit multiple times this year that they that this defense needs to be aware of? And um, also, like, I don't know what Benjamin St. Juice status is. Uh, we're record, right. As we record this Friday morning, like, we should get an injury report soon, but not before we're done recording. So there's a chance St. Juice is out because he did not practice on Wednesday. So, like, how big of a loss would that be um, considering how well he's played this year with this matchup? It's interesting because I'd say it would be a huge loss because you need a guy to match up with Drake London if Kyle Pitts is healthy. Because Kyle Pitts is, when he was healthy, it just it was cool to watch, man. Because you could line, you could get in thirteen personnel and essentially be in twelve. And then they have another guy on the roster named Felipe Franks, who's a converted quarterback, who's a big kind of angular receiving type guy. So they'd be in thirteen personnel, then explode to empty and basically be in a very very scary thirteen package. I don't know if Felipe Franks is going to be healthy. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is not going to be healthy, and so now you're just down to basically one dynamic receiving weapon in Drake London. This does bring up an interesting question: Do you move Cordell Patterson to receiver? You know, kind of as a way to off off offset the lack of playmakers at the position. Um, and he did hurt this team last year on some deep play action shots, you know, kind of over the head of the defense. Um, something to th- I don't think they'll do that, but that's something to consider. And so the fact that they're kind of their, their number one position of value tight end is depleted at the moment, um, I think bodes well in terms of saying we can find a way to take away Drake London from a coverage standpoint. And you mentioned play action concepts that are, uh, detrimental, like they're excellent at running drift. They're, they're really fantastic at that. Um, and, you know, they Kyle Pitts was good enough to kind of make stuff happen after the catch. Drake London's good enough to make stuff happen after the catch. But he's not, Mariota's not a not super proficient at throwing the ball deep. So, again, they're, they're somewhat limited. It's like we got to run the football or else. And they're very, very good at it. So there's no, there's no tricks in this game. There's no game plan nuance. It's like, are, is our front going to be more physical than their front? And their front is a different type of physical than this team has seen so far this year. So, you know, 
put your mouthpiece in, tape your wrists up. Cause if you can keep them, if you can get them in the second, third and eight type of situations, like Mariota holds the football for a long time and you can create a lot of pressure. Their all lines playing well, the running backs are playing well. Um, but they've lost some of their offensive firepower. And I think that's going to be really, um, detrimental, but it does also an interesting group in terms of roster construction and development, because they're pretty dang close to being a good football team and they are, you know, money strapped and all those types of things. So uh, very good job by Arthur Smith in Atlanta, but in terms of game planning for this offense, like there is one objective and that's stopping the run. Last question I would have is I try to do my best uh, radio defensive coordinator uh, guessing game job thing that I'm doing here. Like, Jack has been up and down with blitz levels this year, um, depending on the matchup, depending on what he thinks is best, uh, as he should. That's his job is to figure out those things. Would you expect a heavier blitz package, almost like a run blitz package, though, where you are firing down with an intention of stopping the run? uh, And it's kind of that, you know, stop the run on the way to the quarterback type of deal where if they do pass it, you don't think that there's a huge discrepancy or you don't think that there's a huge like big play potential discrepancy in talent from your corners your your back uh four back five back six and their receivers that they're going to kill you and you can afford to put those extra resources forward in an aggressive way yeah i mean i would say if you didn't have john and um pain yes i would do that 100 percent. but i think when you have those guys and when you have a guy like ridgeway when you have edge setters like montez and you know james is excellent in this category fa is excellent in this category even casey brings some uh, ability here like having though that group up front keeps you out of a lot of you it helps you manage your risk risk a lot better right and then also i think um you know a guy like jamin who's playing much much better um you know cam who's been playing great i expect them to be kind of in the box so it'll be you know, the Cinco package, Jamin, and then Cam in the box, right? And I think that front and the way that they've been playing, you know, because technically that is a pressure, you know, as, as much as it seems like they're just playing a base front, like they are, that, that, that technically is a dog look. So what I mean by that is they're going to be blitzing. You Ideally, you'd be rushing four players. In that look, you're rushing five, right? Because it's your Cinco package, right? Right. So um, that that is the pressure that I would bring. And I would think there's probably going to be some wrinkles, but when you look at how this team has defeated the run the past couple of weeks, it's really been, we're going to play straight up. Our, when we get those five guys out on the field, whatever combination they are, with John and with um, Duran out there, they tend to be way more disruptive than teams can handle, and they can be minus one from a run game standpoint. Um, and so I, th- I would expect to see a lot of that, and I'd expect to see that um, – almost for the entire game. And it'll be interesting to see what Atlanta's response is, because if I'm Atlanta, I'm doing everything in my power to keep that personnel off the field as much as I can, right? Because, you know, I expect to see them get no 11 quite a bit um, and see if uh, and see if they, we would match the way we match Tennessee, which would give us, which would give them plus numbers of the run game. So that's kind of the chess match here is how do you keep them out of maybe their best run-stopping personnel grouping in the Cinco packages? And um, if you're Atlanta, and then what is your response to that? So maybe if they're in 11, I might think about doing some run blitzes like you're talking about. But yeah. um, if you look at how this team has been over the last five, six weeks, it's been like we're better than you, and no one so far has been able to be better than this defensive front. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting, though, because if you are Washington, do you look at that as a win? Because you're like, all right, fine. 
go to 11, take your fullback off the field, take your, yeah. your heavy tight end sets off the field. Like you're now at a disadvantage of where you want to be. And, and we still feel like we can stop the run in, in this personnel grouping. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the, you talk about the chess match and the strategy going back and forth. That's going to be very interesting uh, to watch. 